Welcome to the Mission of Truth podcast, where Super Bowl champions Nick Foles and Chris Maragos dive deep into the trials and victories that are behind all of the lights. Here's your hosts, Nick Foles and Chris Maragos. Today, we have a former USC Trojan football player, a former college and NFL coach, a two-time national champ, and a Super Bowl champ. He is currently a senior pastor for Evergreen Baptist Church of San Gabriel Valley. Welcome to the Mission of Truth, Rocky Seto. Seto, what's up, my man? What's up, guys? Thanks, thanks for having me. This is awesome to see you guys here on, on the Zoom here. Oh, uh, dude, this, this is good times, man. I tell you what, when we uh, when we started doing this podcast, I'm like, we got to get Rocky Seto on here because, man, this dude is probably one of the most unique guys I've ever met. And uh, I can remember when I first uh, went to Seattle in 2011, you're actually one of the first guys that I got to meet because I was going through uh, after my workout with uh, Coach Carroll, which is a crazy story how that even happened. Um, and then I remember going through – um, you know, the hallway from John Schneider's office back out kind of through those main glass doors past Coach Schneider's office right there. And, and you were kind of in, in one of those offices. And I remember walking by and you had some Christian music on or you had some Bible verses around. And I, and I kind of just looked in quickly and, and I stopped and I think I said, hey, man, like, what, you know, tell me about this. And dude, from the second I met you, man, it was like crazy. Just like just in passing like that. It was just that connection right away. And then to see you know, all the cool stuff you've done and, 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 uh, just how the relationships kind of come. It's just, it's amazing how quick that just kind of happened. Just so, so random like that. No, it was awesome because like, um, it was like, I needed that. I mean, the Lord knew, like I was up in Seattle, you know, I, I was a Christian. I am a Christian and, uh, and I was away from home. Uh, I was at a place that, you know, like I wasn't necessarily thinking about this is where I want to be. And I was, God, God was humbling me in some ways. And here you are, another Christian brother. And immediately, do you love Jesus? You know, it's like, yes. And, and there was an immediate connection. And uh, our Lord is gracious, you know, because uh, he brought another brother along. And uh, what's neat was, I mean, kind of how, how you just were able to encourage me during that time, you know. And, and, and then I could see how you've been in encouragement to other places in Philly and other places. And it's, it's Wisconsin, even as I got to know your life, what you're like at Wisconsin. And so it's kind of neat how the Lord used you to kind of get people fired up for Christ wherever you went, you know? Nah, it was awesome. You know, one of the things I can remember too, Rock, is we'd be in our defensive meeting rooms, which by the way, that Legion of Boom defense was crazy. I remember sitting in those meetings thinking like, man, why am I in this room right now? I don't deserve to be in here. Because like, I mean, I'm looking around and it's like, oh my gosh, you got like Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, you got Chris Clemens, you got Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancer, Bobby Wagner, KJ. I mean, the list just keeps going on, right, of all these great players. And I'm sitting there like, what the heck? But all I remember is, is, is I can remember you, man, doing our tackling technique stuff, which was crazy good for my career but then you you were always emphasizing melting with the quarterback and the way that you would do that bro and then you'd be showing us how to do it it was so funny man just <laughs> how, you, how you would do that I know, hey bro you know how it is the nfl season nfl off season is so long that man you got to make it fun because even for a coach i mean i see you guys out there and you guys are motivated i mean nfl football players are the most motivated people on the planet but even at that, it gets to be a grind, man, looking at and hearing the same thing over and over and over again. So I, I got we got to make it fun. But even for the coach to get up there and talk about the same thing over and over again, I'm almost trying to entertain myself as I'm yeah. up there, you know. I got to well, keep myself going a little bit, you know. 
you weren't just entertaining yourself. You were entertaining all of us. It was awesome. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, y'all were doing something right there. That Seattle defense was such a pain to play. And now everyone, everyone in the NFL is playing that defense. I know, Rocky, we had talked about how um, when y'all had come to the NFL, everyone was like, hey, you can't play this post-safety defense like you did in college. You can't do that. You got to play too high. And y'all changed the way NFL defenses are run with that zone coverage. I mean, Nowadays, like uh, as offense, we studied that zone coverage so much to to dissect it and try to get big plays, but it's still so difficult. And, you know, hearing like the talent and the talent y'all had and playing against it is, I mean, such a good defense. So like you said, it's such a grind. I mean, a lot of people look at the NFL and everything and, and it's a blessing. It truly is. But it is a grind because so much is demanded of you. You have to have a passion to play football. Mm-hmm. Where did your passion start to play the game of football and coach the game of football? Well, you know, just to, um, I'm going to get to that, Nick, but I, th- I just said that I thought this might be interesting to our listeners a little bit. How that, I want to talk about cover three a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, yeah, talk about cover three, educate. <laughs> Let's go, man. Come on. This is good for, hey, this is good for me too. This is good for me too. I'm taking notes, getting ready. You know, this is oh, good. I, I had the unique thing. I was just like Chris, you know, Marigos and, 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 by the way, you belonged on that Legion of Boom defense, obviously. No, I don't know. So let's let's just start off there, physically and and but you provided a lot of things to the defense there, and everyone was strengthened by you there. Period. I just want you to know that. So obviously, you needed to be there. But I felt the same way. I'm like around some great, the greatest players on the planet on defense. I'm around the greatest coaches. I'm like, who am I that I get to be here, right? And so it's like, what is this? But cover three, I just want to give you a little feedback on that. We were wrestling around with it for a while. Like, do we do this? And I know we won championships in college, and but this is the NFL. These quarterbacks are phenomenal. These receivers are that much better. And uh, we went through all that stuff. And at the end of the day, this is what happened, Nick, it is it's kind of like the story of David and Goliath. You know, David – did he go with Saul's armor? Did he go with conventional wisdom? Did he go with uh, what he was supposed to do according to what the experts thought? Or did he go with what he knew? He went with what he knew. He went. He grabbed those five smooth stones, his slingshot, and he took down the giant with what, what he knew. So for us, we knew cover three. <laughs> we knew cover three, and we gained a lot of confidence over the years, and that's what Coach Carroll knew and then so we went with that. But to give credit to where credit's due, God gets the glory. And he assembled the right coaches. So I'm, I'm going to break it down for you, Chris. I don't know if you even know this. I thought you might find it interesting. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued right now. Believe okay. Me. All right. Because I, I was kind of like that fly in the wall. I was that guy, you know. So I would say this. For the secondary play, the, the, the shell of cover three, the corners and the middle third safety, I would say – Coach Carroll brought that in all the years of him teaching press corner, all the years of teaching middle third safety, all the principles that we use to kind of compensate for being single high versus certain route concepts. I would say he brought that in. All right. The underneath coverage with the, you know, the linebackers and the sky down safety or the buzz down safety, the Rita Linda safety, if that uh, reminds you. Oh yeah. There you go, man. There it is. I would say God used, Coach Gus Bradley to help refine and perfect that. Ah. I mean, he taught us that stuff. And then I'd say for the front mechanics, that was Coach Dan Quinn. You know, with hey, the, you man, dude, great man, great man, great man, fist and all that stuff. And 
you get all those three things together and it became what it was. And then all the assistant coaches that were able to coach it up from Ken Norton to uh, Chris Richard to, to, uh, you know, Deanne handled the front and, and, and Travis Jones. And so I'd say those three main guys, you know, coach Carroll, coach Bradley, coach Quinn, and it all melted together. And then, and, and then that's what we started doing. And, Anyway, just a little feedback on that. No, that, no, that's beautiful. I mean, any listener right now is just probably glued to their <laughs> headset, or if they're watching this, I mean, they're, I mean, even me just hearing the history of of the defense. Because anytime we we play this defense now, it's hey, we're playing the Seattle defense. It's a or like you're you you finish a game, you're on the flight home. It's like hey, uh, we're playing the Atlanta Falcons. It's like hey, what, what defense are they? I, they're playing that Seattle cover three. Okay, good. I know what they're gonna do. I, I have a head start because I know the rules, but. Even when you know the rules, it's still very difficult because it comes down to executing the play call it against that defense, which is, is still very difficult if the defense has the right kind of talent out there. Um, no, and mean, that's a big key as well. No, I mean, it's kind of like when I was coming up at USC, the defense that we all looked up to, and you guys know it was Tampa, Tampa with uh, Tony Dungy and, oh, yeah. and, uh, and, and Monty Kiffin, right, those guys. And we used to call it Tampa too. Right. Tampa, too. And so for us to even be kind of like youth in that type of thing is just phenomenal. It's just so humbling, you know. So anyway, um, I appreciate that. But um, going back to your original question, where did that passion come from for football? Yeah, I'm some basically my background is very I don't know. It's varied. You know, it's kind of like back in the day, like I I'm my my parents are immigrants from Japan. All right. And I grew up in Southern California. My dad's a gardener. My mom worked like as a seamstress in, in the garment district in downtown LA. And this is who I am. This is what I grew up. We didn't grow up in a Christian home or anything like that. And how I connected to my dad was in two ways. So as a gardener's son, when you didn't have school, it wasn't Christmas vacation or summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're coming to help me today. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's one. And that's how we connected when we worked. And then other areas that when we, talk about or play sports together, play catch in the backyard. Uh, we talk about games. We'd watch the ball game together. We watch Monday night football together. And I remember him talking to me about things like, you know, he didn't go to get to go to the university or anything like that, but he used to talk to me about games that he went to. He was able to go to a couple of USC games and he told me about these great runs and great players. And in my mind, I thought to myself, wow, this, this is the greatest thing I could ever do, you know? And so it was really deep rooted. I'd say in my heart to try to like kind of uh, please my dad and to kind of make my dad proud. And a lot of our customers, our clients, our gardening clients were like Trojan alum in the area we were. And they're always great. They'd talk to me. They'd tell me uh, uh, about USC and, 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 and how my dad was doing and things like that. And so I appreciated that. So deep inside there was some seed that was planted within me where, man, what a, what a great thing it would be to be a football player at, at the University of Southern California. And so as a little boy, that just I'm sure you guys can relate to what I'm talking about. Absolutely. That's what gave me like my energy, man. That gave me my passion. That gave me my uh, uh, basically my esteem, I guess, if that's the way to put it. And so in essence, I'd like to say like, you know, it gave me my identity. And um, in essence, you know, if another way to put it is like, it told me who I was, you know? And so I had this one focused desire to make it and play at USC someday. 
Wow, that's awesome. So you go to junior college and you get an opportunity to walk on to the USC Trojan program, your childhood team that you've just absolutely loved and and was a dream to do. Um, And I can relate to that because I grew up in Wisconsin and, you know, I watched the Wisconsin Badger football games. I would go to my little league games on Saturday morning and then we drive up to Madison where the college is and I would sit in the stands and watch the Badgers play. So tell us that transition, how that all happened. And you had an interesting way of getting in touch with the coach and how that kind of yeah, I mean, yeah, because like, unlike you guys, man, at Arcadia High School in 1994, I had some problems, meaning A, I wasn't good enough <laughs> to go to USC, B, I didn't have the grades to go go to USC right away, so I go, you know what, my parents wanted me to go to a four-year school and 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 just get on with my life, you know, and I was like, I said, come on, like, uh, it's, this ain't over yet, man, yeah, right, <laughs> this yeah. ain't over yet. So, and I, I, I start researching junior colleges and California is a hotbed for junior college football. And so there's one by my house called Pasadena city college, kind of pretty historic place where like Jackie Robinson played. And then wow. way back in the day. And then there was another place called Mount Sac, Mount San Antonio college. And I went to go visit both of them and I went to Mount Sac and I found out their head coach was a all American from USC, Bill Fisk who wow. loves the Lord as well as a Christian and who recently just uh, went home to be with the Lord. But that was really the deciding factor. Like, man, this guy's an all American. Maybe if I do a decent job at Mount Sac, this guy might have some pull coach yeah. Fisk will be able to call for me and see if I could get on the team. Anyway, I played there for three years. I mean, we had some great players now, like uh, uh, Chris McAllister. You heard of him? Oh yeah, for sure. Antonio Pierce. Um, so we had some big time players that played for us at Mount Sac. And anyway, I'd say that was the hardest, uh, era of my football career. I mean, just the grind, just the toughness that it taught me, it was phenomenal. But anyway, after end of three years, I was ready to transfer and I wasn't getting a scholarship to USC, but I was able to get into school. I got accepted into school through my grades. And, and what happened was, you know, I say, Coach, uh, Coach Fisk, did you uh, get in touch with those guys, Coach Robinson and, and their staff at USC? And, you know, because I got accepted and I kind of don't want to just go to school there and then not be able to play on the team, right? I was like, what's the point, right? This is this is how, where my mind was at. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I called them and they said, it's fine, but they never got back to me. And, and so yeah. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't want to just go there, enroll, and all of a sudden – sorry, you can't play. You know, that'd be like miserable. Right. And then exactly. I said, I got in my truck, my Nissan pickup truck at the time and headed East about 40 minutes East drove to downtown LA and parked my car someplace in the neighborhood, walked onto the campus. And I went to a place called heritage hall. Heritage hall is kind of like, what do you have behind you, Chris? It's kind of like a bunch of trophies and different Heisman's and national championship and Rose Bowl trophies. It's kind of like our athletic department building at the time. So I'm like just checking it. At the time, those four Heisman trophies, I was looking at, I think it was Charles White's Heisman trophy. And I was looking at it. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And I'm just some nobody walking onto the, into this building, mind you. Mind you, think of like Madison, Wisconsin, or someplace in Arizona. And like you're just some fan looking at these trophies and I'm just in my, in my mind I'm thinking I gotta run into the head coach somehow because I'm gonna transfer here pretty soon I need to know if I'm on the team yeah and not even a Christian at the time I'm just kind of like all right 
I'm just going for it. I, no yeah. stone unturned. And then, so I'm looking at the trophy. And I, right as I'm looking at the trophy, I, I hear somebody walking above me. It was, a, it was like a two-story building. Mm-hmm. And the ground level, and there's a second story, and then there's kind of like a, a kind of a catwalk above us. And I looked up, and it was John Robinson. This was the head coach. This is the legendary John Robinson. This is the national championship winning coach at USC, John Robinson. This is the head coach of the Rams. Who almost took the Rams to the Super Bowl a couple of times for the. And this is that guy I grew up hearing about. And I'm like, man, here's my chance. My heart started racing, and Thoughts start flooding into my mind. So I got the thought, the best thought I had is this. I didn't really have the courage to kind of just go up to him and say, hey. So I felt like I needed to manufacture some kind of a running, I guess, or bumping encounter, accidental bump. So I ran up and I kind of timed it up. I could kind of hear him coming back to the football wing. To the, He crossed the hall and now he's coming back. And I'm hiding behind a kind of a corridor. This is where we used to have our video coordinator's office, you know, and and I'm timing it up and I can start hearing him. And all of a sudden, at, right as he gets close enough where I could feel like right when I could step right in front of him, that's what I did. And I was like, oh, <laughs> hey, coach. Yeah. <laughs> as if like, oh, this is nice. Yeah. This is a little surprise. And then all I did was like, okay, my heart was beating. And I was like, okay, this is my chance. It's now or never. It's one of those things, right? It's now or never. I basically introduced myself and said, hey, I'm Rocky Septo from Mount Sac. Uh, we sent in an application and my coaches called. Can I just talk to you for a few minutes? And right then and there, it's like he could just say no. I know how busy coaches are. Yeah. I know how busy they are. I mean, literally. And and But he goes, oh, sure, come into my office. I'm like, what? <laughs> so he invites you in your office? Yeah. I mean, it's, he, he could just talk to me in the hallway. You know, he goes, hey, follow me. I'm like, all right. So I follow him into the head coach's office and we sit, sit on this couch and there's like a kind of a coffee table on the, on the, on the, in his office. And he throws down a yellow legal pad from like office depot or something. And, and he goes, you know what, uh, what can I do for you? And I'm talking to him because I'll do whatever it takes to help us win. Please. I just need a chance. Really? It's one of those things. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe Rudy comes to mind or whatnot. I don't know. It's think about something like that. And, and then he listens to me for about 10, 15 minutes. And then he goes, all right. Right. And on that legal pad, write down your information. So I wrote down my home address at my parents' house where I was living. And, and then about, I don't know, I'd say about 10 days, two weeks later, I get a thing in the mail that says reporting dates on August this is when you're supposed to be here. And how's that? I'm like, okay, is that how it works? And so that's what happened, man. And I don't know if many times I've kind of like tried to thank coach Robinson for that. And and it seems like a humble guy. And he's kind of just, I don't know if he remembers, but for me, that was like, it meant the world to me. I mean, look at all that's come out of it because I know your your teammate, Rocky Brown said that you were as tough as they come and you played with (laughs) reckless abandon. So Rocky Brown, man, I know. And, and, and it's, it's funny, man. Like he was another junior college guy and Rocky Brown. was like probably my favorite teammate I ever had because, um, I mean, he led me to Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, Nick, you asked like, what was the passion of it all? I mean, this is something I was holding in my heart and my mind for, I don't know, since I was a little kid. And now we're, we're playing the first game versus Florida state, Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden. Oh yeah. They're pretty good still. I mean, they're really good, obviously. And they, they come into the Coliseum 
It was a nighttime game, ABC national televised game. And I'm running onto the field with my pads on and all that. I'm like, man, this is really happening. And then I had this thought within me as I was running, man, this is really awesome, but there's gotta be more to it than this. Yeah. This thought, I mean, that, that clear thought came into my mind and I was like, well, you know, I still loved it and it was great. And so during that time I was thinking to myself, everything I've been working for, is this enough? Is this going to be enough? You know, and, uh, you know, God puts eternity in the hearts of man and says, right. So I'm thinking, is, what is this going to be like when this is over? Is this going to be over before you know it? And I got two years to play there. That's it. You know, and I had a guy named Rocky Brown that you mentioned and who was also a walk-on, who's also a junior college transfer from Saddleback College out here in Southern California, Orange County, not too far, right, from, from where I live. And then he just started talking to me about Christ. And, and, and I could tell this guy loves Jesus. I've met other professing Christians before, but I've never met anyone that lived and loved and acted like he believed what he read in the Bible. I'm like, who is this guy? He's carrying his Bible around. He's talking about Christ. He's praying. I'm like, who is this guy? I was like, John the Baptist. Like, this guy was, it was, he was, it was kind of weird. I'm like, what is this guy about? And anyway, he talked to me about Christ and the gospel. And in 1998, I, everything changed. I became a Christian and wow. my identity got transferred from football and USC football to being loved by Christ, you know, and, and, and that's what happened. So. Anyway, yeah, thanks for bringing up Rocky. That he, he, I still talk to him. He lives out, you know, we don't, we don't live far from each other. Well, we live in driving distance from each other, so we still connect with each other. You know, he's great. Absolutely. And so you you go, you walk onto the program, you earn a scholarship at, yeah. at famed USC, which is amazing. You go on to have great success there. And then you become a coach um, for USC and go on and win a couple national championships and go on and do some amazing things. With Coach Carroll, though, tell, tell us about kind of that that time, you know, coaching. Uh, yeah, it was crazy because okay, I get done playing and uh, getting that scholarship was phenomenal. I got to talk about that for a little bit. When I got that scholarship, Coach Hackett, who was our new coach, came in the next year and awards us, uh, me and another guy, G Man Goudreau Daliwa, a scholarship. He's a tight end, and I'm like, what? You know, it's kind of one of those things, you know, like in front of the team and. I didn't have a cell phone back then, right? I, I think I had a pager or something. <laughs> so that yeah, right. was, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, we had pagers. And then so I, I couldn't wait to get home. So I drove home because I didn't want to call anyway. And, and I just said, hey, uh, I, I sat my mom and dad down in the kitchen and I said, hey, Papa, guess what? You know, they gave me a scholarship today. And he said, what? And and because it was, this was a far-fetched dream for all of us, including me and and – and when I told him that, he just said, you know what? You made me believe in the impossible. Wow. And wow. I mean, as a son, I mean, what in the world? I mean, that, man, that's, that, that, that's, that, that, that had hit you deep, man. Oh, it still does. I mean, some, oftentimes I, I, I tear up thinking about it and talking about it. But, I mean, from that moment on, there was a kind of a transfer of respect. I mean, I mean, he's a, not that there wasn't any respect before, but in terms of – I think he saw me more as a man at that point, yeah. you know. And so um, – because it was like, wow, what in the world? And, you know, you went after it. And he wasn't a Christian or anything at the time. And so it just, it, for him, I mean, it just resonates with him because he's a guy that left his home country to come to try to build a new life. 
he kind of he took his shot too you know what i mean and so i think that connected us together in, in that way where you know he understood i understood exactly what he was saying and so anyway that that was a big just a big moment as a father and son and wow. and for my mom and i too of course and wow. but anyway so that senior year i got a scholarship just my very next year and then uh, I, during that time, Chris and Nick, I, I thought about becoming a physical therapist. And that, so there, there's a doctorate program at USC. And I actually got enrolled. So I was pre-physical therapy undergrad, and I actually got accepted into that school. And I remember paying my, I don't know, $134 deposit to say I'm, I'm, stay, I'm coming and all that stuff. So that's what I was set to do after my playing career was over. But I was thinking to myself, I wanted to do this for all the r- wrong reasons, meaning I really didn't have a passion for physical therapy. Yeah, yeah. I really wasn't into it. I mean, what I liked the idea was probably getting a doctorate degree and kind of saying I got a doctorate and all that for all the wrong reasons. And as I was starting to wrestle around, I was praying. I was already a Christian by this time, and I was thinking, what am I supposed to do? And it's kind of like a, you guys had great coaches. You and I were talking about great coaches uh, that you guys have had, and. And I've had great coaches. I thought, man, I would love to be someone like these guys who've impacted me so deeply. I think I want to be a football coach. Well, anyway, that was another far-fetched idea. Why don't you get your doctorate degree? And then what happened was, no, I'm going to go into coaching. And so let that go and then became a coach. And Coach Hackett, I'm so grateful for him because he gave me my scholarship. He gave me my start into coaching. And then eventually Coach Carroll would come in. And we'd coached together for nine years at USC. And he brought me in as a graduate assistant and then been a safeties coach and then the linebackers coach and then the defensive back coach and then finishing off as a defensive coordinator, you know, and Coach Carroll, I mean, I just love him so much. And he's been a great mentor and friend to me. And He's a great man. He is. He is. I mean, he's unique, isn't he? I mean, he's different. He's definitely different. There's no one I've ever met like him, and he's had a profound, a profound impact on my career, man. More, more than he probably knows, and I think one day I'm going to call him and tell him that too. <laughs> um, I know you will, and I know it mean a lot to him, and he'll probably brush it off. But yeah. deep inside, you know, I know that'll mean a lot to him. But like, um, yeah, I mean, he was just that. He's the guy that sat me down. We built, we built like a bump and run press technique tape, and he sat me down and walked me through it taught me he showed me how to coach up cover, uh, middle third safety I mean the same stuff that I was doing in Seattle with you guys I mean and so he sat me down knowing that he sat me down how you talk to people how you communicate how you motivate people and so we had I mean he's had a profound I'd say profound impact on me as a person and as a coach and uh, even as a pastor today but anyway so that's what happened at USC and uh, it was this a kid that I don't know. I was just happy to be there. And then, and then we won like crazy somehow, you know, God blessed it. And it was phenomenal. And I never would have dreamt that all those things would happen. I ended up staying there for 13 years. I kind of snuck in through the back door and they let me stay for 13 years there. So I was grateful. I mean, y'all had so much success there. Like you said, I remember, you know, watching games, um, you know, I was in high school when a lot of that was going on and just, you know, I was fortunate to go to Arizona and ultimately play against USC several times, but it was a different USC. I actually played against y'all, my, y'all's last game um, at the Coliseum. I was on, yeah, I was, I was that quarterback with the long blonde hair. Oh, that was me. 
I checked a route. He actually had a slant on. It was to Jerron Kreiner and I gave him a, a fade route and we threw a touchdown. And I remember I had a, a meeting with coach Carroll um, at the senior bowl and it was late at night. It was like midnight. I was exhausted. And, you know, we were, he, he's a really nice guy. We were having fun. We were talking. And then we, we, we started talking about that game. I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, I remember checking that route and winning the game and, it got sort of serious then. Like all of a sudden the, the conversation, I'm like, wait, I thought we were having a good time. Like I thought we were like friends here. And then I like brought up that I was the quarterback that was on the team that beat him the last game in the Coliseum for him and everything shifted. So I, I had lost his attention. Oh, then I was like, that's, man, that, that's I, that competitor in him though. Man. No, I know. I was like, you know what? I probably should just leave this meeting. They, they, they're not going to come after me now. Bro, it was, it was the call was China check, man. I still remember it. You know, some things never leave you, man. That, that play, believe it or not, has not left me because that was like my last game at the Coliseum too. You know what I mean? And yeah, and, and um, it, I was like, gosh, what happened? You know, so yeah, that, that was that, that was never <laughs> stay with you. <laughs> I can see the now. Yeah, so now it's like, man, I just, I just ruined this episode by bringing it up. That's quite <laughs> no. they ruined everything. It, got all ser- it, it gets all serious from here on out. Oh, uh, I know. Yeah, exactly. But it's just so funny. It's funny that like that we were all on the same field at the same time. So much our past, you know, you you continue on. Obviously, you talked about being you know, loving USC, come to the Lord, so much yeah. happening, but like, you're comfortable. Like there's things going on, but then all yeah. of a sudden coach Carroll, because of the Arizona Wildcats, um, yeah. goes to the Seattle Seahawks. And there's, <laughs> there's a transition for you um, to Seattle that isn't as easy as people thought it might've been. So can you just talk about that transition to go to Seattle? Yeah. I mean, people see the byproduct of what happened. I mean, we want, su- we went to Super Bowls. We want a Super Bowl. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff happened, but it was never my dream to go to you uh, to to Seahawks to the Seattle Seahawks. As much as I ended up loving it, I mean, I, it was a phenomenal time. Seahawk Nation, thank you. It was phenomenal. But as a boy, my goal, my dream was to be at USC, and so I had a dream job. I mean, this is life is good, man. I mean, I'm living in Southern California where I grew up, driving into downtown LA, parking with the big dogs at USC thinking I'm pretty cool, you know, like, this is pretty nice, you know? And so there's this whole thing that happened where, yeah, all nothing lasts forever on this world, you know? And so coach eventually took, takes the job at the Seahawks. And, and when he offers me the job to eventually come up with him, he asked me to come up to be the quality control coach. And mind you, in my own, Pride. What is that? What is that for people? Yeah. Out there? I mean, yeah, exactly. For the listeners, what is the quality control coach? Quality control coach is a phenomenal position, mind you. It's we we just were talking about a coach Robert Sala of the uh, San Francisco 49ers, the brain trust of the San Francisco 49ers was our quality control coach. So it's a phenomenal position. It's a it's a, and it leads it's, entry to, level, it's an entry level position. Entry level position. I think many head coaches were starting off as quality control it's equivalent to maybe a graduate assistant position in the nfl which is a which is phenomenal but for me just to put things in context i was coming in as a defensive coordinator we won like i don't know we won the pac 10 seven straight years in a row we won national championships i don't know went to like five rose bowls and a couple orange bowls and i was feeling pretty good about myself and and 
And I, when he asked me to come, I was thinking, man, that's the type of work I did 10 years ago. Like, well, what in the world? Yeah. And, and, and in some ways, I was offended. I was like, what? I, we could win here, but I mean, am I a quality control level coach? So, and I'm grateful for coach offering me the position looking back. But at the time, <clears throat> I was just arrogant. It was all me. It was like I wasn't humble. I was thinking more highly than of myself than I was supposed to. And God knew this. God knew this. And he knew that there was some, there was a tension within me. I'm, I'm to be very honest with you. I, I was generally a Christian, meaning I, I love Christ. I trusted in the work that he did on the cross. And I was genuinely trying to follow him. And I generally, my identity was in him. However, there was this tension. As, think of a tug of war in your heart. Am I a Christian? Do I find my value in Christ? Do I find my purpose in Christ? Do I find my joy in Christ? Or is my purpose in being a USC football coach, my value, my affirmation coming from being a USC football coach, my direction in life coming as a USC football coach? And so that's that tension that was happening within me. And when that happened, when I went up to Seattle, we eventually moved there, me, my wife. At the time, we had three. Then we gained a fourth up there. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I was just alone. And as a quality control coach, you do a lot of work, breaking down film, studying reports by yourself. And you get in early. And a lot of times, I was, I was alone. And what God did through that time, he's humbled me. I was, I was a prideful and I'm still am, but I was even more prideful back then. And, 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 and I was confused to what God did to, for me was he drove me to his word, the Bible. And I just started reading the Bible four o'clock in the morning by myself. I got, Lord, I need you. I, I need to know that I'm trusting in the right God. And, and, and I didn't have any friends to turn to. I wasn't going to meet up with people at Starbucks or like my old church is in Southern California. I joined a new church. I didn't know people as well. So I'm like, I, I couldn't turn to people. So I, I, God drew me to him through his word and through prayer. And that's what happened. And I don't know, Nick, I mean, it's, I'm, it's, I'm just being honest, you know, it was, it, I wasn't at my best form. I was, I think I was doing a good job. I was working as hard as I could. So by the time you met me, Chris, I was working and I was doing my thing, but I needed to play uh, Christian music. I needed to be listening to sermons. I needed to have the Bible open to get me going. You know what I mean? So when I saw you, fast rewind to your conversation, how you started off the conversation. When I saw you, it was like, bam. It was like, what a breath of fresh air. What an encouragement. I need more Christian brothers around me. So you got me at, at a time where I was like low, man. And so, but the point is of that is I had no joy during that time. My first year and a half or so in Seattle, because I was so focused on me. I was like, I was feeling sorry for myself. Mm-hmm. And what happened was this, guys. And, and I think it's okay for me to share. I went into Coach Carroll's office probably that 2011 year. And I just say, hey, Coach, can I talk to you? And Coach is great. He goes, oh, sure. He's an open door policy. And he, and I, and he just said, what, can, what do you want to talk about? And I said, I just need to apologize to you. He says, for what? you know what? I just want to let you know, I haven't been loving you the way that God has called me to love you. And he goes, what are you talking about? And, and then, you know, I was doing my work and, and all that stuff with full effort and all that, but how I viewed him, like, how I viewed you was more like, you know, if I do a good job for you, you'll take care of me. Meaning you'll promote me. You'll give me a recommendation to get a higher job. And, and 
in some ways he looked at me as well is not how that works it's true that's kind of how that works you do a good job you you know you kind of get rewarded in this industry but i was thinking that's not how god has called me to love you god's called me to love you just because he loves you and i'm and and, and to care for you no matter what you decide to do and because then i confessed to him you know him asking me to be a quality control coach was really offensive to me and i was upset with him for quite some time and I, need, I needed to repent of, to that to the Lord and to apologize to him. And from that time on, I believe we've become even greater friends. And, uh, and, and, uh, and he was so gracious. He was super gracious and all that, receiving that from me. And um, I needed to go through that, brothers. I mean, honestly, because from that moment on, I started having more joy in what I'm doing. I see this is where I'm supposed to be. And, and the Lord just was so gracious uh, just like kind of how coach Carroll's, but God was super extra gracious and allowed things to fold, unfold the way they did in Seattle after that. Wow. That's amazing. And, and after that, the, the cool thing is out there is, is that you go from that position, you know, have those conversations with coach Carroll, and then you become all the way up until the time where you depart from the Seahawks, which we'll talk about in a second, you become the assistant to the head coach, um, pretty much right underneath what a head coach is. And, I mean, what, a, what amazing transition. And I think about too, Rocky, you started out college as a walk-on kind of at the bottom and you worked yourself up to getting a scholarship and being a player and then being a part of uh, a quality control coach in, uh, well, I guess it would be a um, grad assistant. Yeah. Graduate assistant in college and then work yourself up to be D coordinator national champion. And then to start yourself out as a quality control coach and then be assistant head coach uh, in the NFL and win su- Super Bowl. I mean, it's, it's amazing how God has taken some of the smallest things and elevated you uh, to the greatest. So you get to the pinnacle of your career, essentially, you know, you got a great contract with the team, your assistant to the head coach, but then you feel a call to do something to something do amazing. And you, you, you voluntarily leave the Seahawks to go and, and become a pastor. How does that happen throughout all the things that we just talked about and, yeah. and that transition? Yeah. You know, um, it wasn't an overnight decision. <laughs> it was not an overnight decision, but I'll give, I, give you a little background. It was helpful that I talked to, through some of those disappointments and hardships that I went through in 2010, because back in 2010, I was already thinking about going into ministry. I started, I was able to preach at some churches and give some messages. I'm like, man, this is phenomenal. I get to study the Bible and preach. I was already thinking about it back then. And guess, check this out. I almost became an intern at the church where I'm currently serving at right now, Evergreen Baptist SGV um, in 2010. And and part of that motivation was, you know what? I'm not going to become a quality control coach. I'm going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to become a pastor instead. And part of that motivation, look how backwards thinking this is like, was to kind of like spite the, uh, the coach for, or and turn my back on him. And what a crazy reason to be a pastor. Right. But, that that desire was kind of within me from back then and through it all I was praying for like seven years like God is this time is it time and what 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 was happening how I found a lot of comfort and support during that time when I was struggling in Seattle was instead of listening to music I started listening to sermons I mean the internet has a lot of challenging things on it but there's a lot of edifying things on it as well like you could find great preachers on the uh, online and I was listening to sermons for hours and hours. You know, I'm talking John MacArthur, John Piper, Alistair Begg. I mean, guys like that and and others too. P. 
people from back home in California. And anyway, so that's what happened. And I just started growing a love for the word and love deeper love for the word and deeper love for preaching. And uh, that's what happened. And, but the biggest thing, Chris and Nick was, as you know, the Bible, you guys are married men, just like I am. The Bible says two becomes one flesh. The biggest issue was this. I was ready to eject and be a pastor even sooner, but my wife wasn't. (laughs) No, that's real. Charlotte looked at me like, what is wrong with you, man? Are you serious? This, hasn't this been good? <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, it's been phenomenal. But as I talked to her, um, you know, it just became a fight every time. And, you know, and it, the more I, oh, this time I got, I could present it this way to her. And, and right when I thought I nailed it, it got worse and worse. I said, all right, Lord, if you've called us to ministry, you know, convinced her as well. And I can't do it. And so one day, we're playing San Francisco 49ers in 2000, what is it, 16, 16 season, or 2017, I guess that was New Year's Eve, I guess. And she texts me, uh, we're, we're, I was in, we're in a hotel in San Jose, night before the 49ers game, and then she says, yeah, I think we're supposed to do this. <laughs> like, are you sure? And so I waited another week or so to let her rethink it over, and then she goes, yeah, I think we're supposed to do this. And so I'm grateful for how the Lord turned her heart. And I went into the coach's office, Coach Carroll's office. I think we're playing uh, either the Detroit Lions in a playoff game. And I just said, you know what? This, I'm gonna, this is my lecture coaching. And for the Seahawks, I'm gonna, God's calling us into full-time pastoral ministry. And how's that? Wow. Unbelievable. There's, Unbelievable. Been, there's been so much to your story that's been so impactful. Um, I know that our listeners are going to love it. I mean, I'm, I'm here just glued to, you know, the Zoom and listening. And we do have one more question for you, though, Rocky. You, you blessed us with your time. And it's going to be a little bit different one. And I know we had talked beforehand about which direction to go. But I thought this would be a fun way. And you had sort of explained it earlier. If you had one coverage and only one coverage you could play, you can't change the coverage, you can't change the defense, what coverage would you play as a defensive coordinator? Cover three. We, we call it Boston. There you go. <laughs> that, was like the, that was the first defense that we ever put in at USC and that we kept playing it at, at the Seahawks. So it, uh, we, I'll ride home with that coverage. <laughs> Well, thank you, Rocky. Thank you so much for for blessing us with your time, for coming on the Mission of Truth. Um, I'm excited about our listeners to listen to this. And um, we just look forward to what God's doing um, in the future, how he's going to use you. So just thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And uh, it was an encouragement seeing you guys. And uh, keep up the good work for the Lord. Thank you guys. Thanks, brother. If you'd love to interact with Nick and I, please reach out to our social medias. Our Instagram is at Mission of Truth, and our Twitter is at M of T underscore podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys and any thoughts or questions you guys have or comments. And thanks for tuning in.